Welcome to Ask Brent. Today, we're going back to the days of yore. The past, the distant past, back into the Pliocene of starting strength material. And we're actually going to do the Ask Rip today with Ask Rip questions that you have submitted to Ask Rip. And, you know, we decided that uh, here we're recording this before StrengthCon, and what we decided we were going to do is to, uh, you know, celebrate the fact that uh, 200 of you people have decided to come to Wichita Falls and hang around with us for a weekend. And uh, to celebrate that fact, we're actually going to pay attention to you for a little while here and for, you know, quite a while at StrengthCon. Uh, if I leave, it'll be because you've gotten on my nerves, but I think we can get through the next 20, 30 minutes just fine, don't you? Well, let's give this a try. I'm going to just read these for the first time. I haven't looked at this at all. These will be cold, and, uh, and I will uh, do my best to answer the questions uh, at the level that I deem to be appropriate for the question. So, let's begin, shall we? First. Tyler Austin asks, what dogs have you owned and the experiences you have had with them? I'm assuming what he actually means is, what dogs have you owned and what are the experience you have had, experiences you have had with them? Well, Tyler, I've had lots of dogs. I grew up with dogs. We had dogs uh, from the time I was a kid, we've always had dogs. I've had dogs all my life uh, of one type or another when uh, I'm not responsible for the dogs we had when I was growing up because I didn't make those decisions. But when I got old enough, I, I got, uh, I've had a Samoyed, I've had a, um, an Alaskan Malamute. I've had, uh, who else did I have uh, after my Alaskan Malamute experience? That was quite interesting. Uh, that dog was real expensive. Dog killed five calves. I had to pay for all of those. It was an interesting experience. He was big, he had real long teeth, and he was not particularly domesticated. And uh, he was an expensive dog. And I gave him to a buddy of mine. And uh, then I was without a dog for a while. And uh, the next dog I had, I believe, was my little friend Dumplin'. And uh, Dumplin' was a little paper sack colored pit bulldog, and she's the sweetest human being in the whole world. And I still miss her very much. And uh, she was my little buddy. She went with me everywhere, stayed at the gym all the time. And uh, she got run over uh, after being sick one time out at my house. And that was a rough week. That was a terribly rough week. And... Uh, I had uh, gotten another dog named Dave while I had Dumplin', so Dave was the survivor, and uh, Dave was my dog by himself for quite some time, and then uh, Dave got real old, and I had to put Dave down, and uh, went a couple of years, three or four years without a dog uh, after Dave, and then we got uh, uh, our little friend Ursa, who was a a female, uh, Akbash, 
and we had her for a while, and then we got little Alfred, and then uh, uh, Ursa got murdered by some piece of dog shit oil field trash motherfucker out by Iowa Park. Uh, in fact, I had a I had a five thousand dollar reward for information about which one of those pieces of dog shit over there shot my dog, and uh, never did. Never did have one of his chicken shit buddies rat him out, which is what I hoped he would do. Uh, and that reward still stands, by the way. $5,000 for who shot my dog. And uh, so Alfred was by himself for a while, and then we went and got uh, our friend Kara, who's still with us right now. And then Alfred died a couple of years ago. That was terribly tragic, too. And now we got a new puppy whose name is Bjorni, and Bjorni will be at the meet here this month here in Wichita Falls. Is that what, a couple of weeks? Next Saturday. Next Saturday, week from Saturday. <clears throat> week from Saturday here at here at the gym. And uh, so Bjorni's coming to the meet. He'll be able you'll be able to talk to Bjorni while he's while he's here. So those are those are some of the dog friends I've had and uh, uh, they're uh, an important part of my life. And uh, those of you people that don't like dogs, go get fucked. Something's wrong with you. Is You're defective as a human. You know, uh, yeah, that's just humans and dogs have evolved together. And somewhere you dropped out of that process. Okay. Now, here's someone who says that he's Matt Reynolds, but there's a picture here associated with someone who is not Matt Reynolds, because I know Matt Reynolds, or maybe there's another Matt Reynolds. you have any info on this? There's another Matt Reynolds. There's another Matt Reynolds? God, help him. Poor guy. What? I think this Matt Reynolds is a lot smaller and newer to lifting. Well, that's interesting. Maybe he should consider having his name changed. Probably. Had anybody suggested that to him? Well, all right. Is the ability to round the upper back a whole lot a genetic anatomical trait? In competition, I deadlift with a very rounded upper back. Looks pretty weird, which seems to let me deadlift huge weight in relation to my other lifts. Makes me think of great deadlifters of the past who seem to walk around with very rounded upper backs. Well, that uh, rounded upper back is called a, a kyphosis or a exaggerated kyphotic curve. And yes, the, the trade is associated with, uh, with better mechanics for pulling the bar off the ground. And if you've been to our seminar, you've seen our extensive discussion uh, of uh, our friend from Latvia, uh, Konstantinovs, who pulls like this. And you've heard my extensive uh, discussion of the mechanical advantages conferred by that particular position. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, some people can get in that position, other people can't get in that position. Some people age into that position like I have. And, uh, you know, just the most older men are going to have some kind of a, uh, of an increasing kyphotic curve. Uh, but uh, as far as I know, the guys that were real good deadlifters that used this position uh, 
are, are not necessarily old men. Some people could get in it, some people are not. We don't teach it like that. We teach thoracic extension just in terms of uh, the ability to more efficiently transfer power to up the back and down to the bar uh, for novices. And we don't want to put a novice lifter in a position of thoracic flexion uh, because of the issues that are related to that position in terms of disc loading, that sort of thing. But, no, your, your observation that it is a, uh, uh, an, a, a, a definite, uh, what would you call it, an advantage in deadlifting uh, is certainly true. It's almost like you've been to the seminar, but I know you haven't because had you been to the seminar and you're actually Matt Reynolds and you're not Matt Reynolds, we would have made fun of you. And I would not have forgotten that. All right, Kim Kurtzinger um, says, I have a lot of trouble hitting depth. I am 59 and have a desk job. Female, just been lifting barbells three months. Besides shoving knees out, do you have other cues or suggestions? All right, uh, Kim, you're 59. You have a desk job. You're female. Uh, I would, without seeing you do this, I think my assumption would be that you're not strong enough to actually use the bottom position. And we see this quite frequently uh, among older people who have been sedentary and have no training history. They're just not strong enough to get down below parallel and get back up. And you may have noticed this. All of you may have noticed that, that human beings are pretty good at protecting themselves by not going into positions they can't use. And by use, I mean get back up out of in, the, in, in terms of a, of a below parallel squat. Um, we've been doing our seminar uh, for 12 years now. We've taught thousands of people how to do the squat. And there have been four or five people over the course of that time out of thousands that have not been able to squat below parallel on Saturday morning. And what we have found is that this is usually associated with uh, not a lack of flexibility, but a lack of strength in that, part of the, in that part of the range of motion. And this is precisely why I advise the use of a leg press machine. This is the only machine Besides the lat machine, you'll ever see me make an excuse for. For people who are not strong enough through that range of motion to use it with their own body weight, they have to be able to work that range of motion at a load that is lighter than their body weight, and a leg press is perfect for this. Uh, one of the problems with a leg press, of course, is that it's big, it's expensive, it's heavy, and it takes up too damn much space in most people's gyms or garages if they're also going to have a, uh, a squat rack in there eventually, which they, which they obviously will. We are in the process right now of developing a, uh, a leg press machine that will take up less room. Current thinking on this, our friend Chase Lindley, who's not merely an albino, he is a design engineer suggested some very useful things the other day. Uh, 
that I think we're going to be able to incorporate into the power rack version of this of this hip sled, and it'll just mount on the power rack. And uh, our friend David Kirkham, who is of normal complexion, uh, is working on this right now. And hell, who knows? By the time you see this video, this thing may be completely designed. We'll let you know. Stay tuned, as they say. All right, now, uh, here's Patrick Yeomans. I've seen that name before. One more besides this, or this one is going to be the end of episode one of the old-fashioned Ask Rip, okay? Patrick Yeomans, would Rip ever sell his gym? <clears throat> what are his plans for the gym in the near distant future? He actually says the near distant future. When I think of the near future, I think in terms of, you know, this later this year, a couple of years from now, when I think of the distant future, I think of when the sun has shrunk to a red dwarf. And, you know, the distant, distant future, you know, when humans have evolved into octopuses or whatever it is we're going to, you know, beings of mere energy, pure energy, as far above us as we are above the amoeba. That's the distant future. <clears throat> right now, though, uh, I'm not going to sell the gym. A, who'd buy the damn thing? B, what would I do for an office? Can't office at the house. C, where would I train? I don't like training in the basement. I don't like training at home. I like to train in a gym. I'm not going to train at Gold's Gym. I'm not going to train at Planet Fatness. I'm not going to train at any of these other commercial gyms, so the damn thing gets to stay. Uh, in the far distant future, this gym will uh, have been returned to its constituent molecules by the processes that have uh, turned the sun into a red dwarf. So we won't worry about that. Uh, all right. We'll do one more. This one looks like it might be easy to answer. Tony Gish writes, What is your orangutan's name that we see on your podcast, and where did you get him? And can I have my pick taken with him when I make my trek to Wichita Falls? What orangutan is she talking about? I, I, I've heard this question several times, and I what the hell they're talking about. But we can take a picture with Chase. You'd enjoy that, I think. Okay. Well, we'll set it up. I don't know what the orangutan would tell you to talk about. Okay. That's it for this version of Ask Rip, the retro version of Ask Rip. Did you know that Doritos is now selling the taco-flavored Doritos, the original flavored corn chip taco-flavored Doritos in the original retro old school bag that they developed back in the 60s and 70s. You didn't know that? Well, that's kind of an analogy to the retro ass grip. Throwback is the word. Throwback. Thanks for watching. See you next time.